You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Announcing my name like I'm a bull rider or something. <laughs> Coming out of shoot number three. Praise God. It's good to see all of you here. I'm glad to be here this morning and uh, talk to you about redemption. I'm not big on special event sermons. Uh oh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's hard for me. That's why I, I don't generally preach Father's Day messages. I have on a few occasions. I felt like it was necessary or important and what have you, but I, I just do my best to just pray and teach you the Bible, and if it comes out, and if it ministers to you, Dad's great. If it doesn't, I'll try to do better next Sunday, all right? <laughs> I think you, you'll get something out of this for, for, all, for all of us here. You'll get something out of it that'll, that'll help you live your life in a more dynamic and powerful way. Second Corinthians chapter 5 is where we're starting. We're going to begin with verse 14. It says, the love of God constrains us. First, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, we'll begin reading. We're going to read clear through the end of the chapter. I was telling Miss Ann and Christina yesterday about Father's Day. You know, on Mother's Day, we give every woman in the building who is a, who is a mother or is expecting or is thinking about it. We, we try to give all the women... <laughs> A gift, right? You spend three, five, seven dollars a piece, whatever, on, on all the gifts that we give out. I told the ladies, men really aren't interested in something like that. Men don't want a, a pen, you know, saying best dad, things like that. There may be a guy here and there interested in that, but for the most part, we're not. What I suggested was that they just take all the money, put it together, Go buy a shotgun and let's have a drawing. <laughs> wouldn't you guys rather have a chance? At, wouldn't you have, rather have a chance at winning a shotgun than a pen? And a sure thing on a pen? Yeah, I would too. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that for the guys. <laughs> Get us something we really want. <laughs> Even a chance at it's better than. All right, we'll do that next year. Okay. Yes, Pastor. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse fourteen. I'm talking to you today about redemption and redemption's purposes. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth, that is from now on, know we him no more in that way. Therefore if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. The difference between Jesus being in the flesh and Jesus being in the spirit identifies us as a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is to say, to wit, King James says, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. 
Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin. He who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, Father, thank you for this day, this opportunity here in the name of Jesus. Give me strength to deliver this word as though I won't get another opportunity. I ask you to bless the people with hearing ears and that you'll grant to them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. He said, the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Now I want to talk to you about this just for a minute. There's a certain assumption here that if Christ died, that means he was going after death and he was going after our death. He did not do this for his own purposes uh, with respect to his own need. He was perfectly alive and perfectly self-sufficient before we ever came into the picture. You understand this? He was lacking nothing. He did all that he did for you. Jesus did not do what he did as an example for you only. Not to, not to say he's not an example, but that was not his primary purpose, was not to give us an example. His primary purpose was to save us when we could not save ourselves. Amen. What good if you go out on the beach, out to Lake Texoma, and somebody's out there about 40 yards from you, drowning. And they don't know how to swim. And you get down in the water and say, hey, watch me. Come on, throw your arms like this. Is an example helping them, or are they going to die anyway? They're going to die anyway. You understand, Jesus did not come primarily as an example. He came to save. He came to seek and save that which was lost. How many of you were lost when he came to you? Yeah, yeah well, most of you. Now, all of you, <laughs> we're all lost. We're all lost. We're all desperately lost. If he died, then everybody was dead. That's what he's saying. We lived in a spiritual death. You, you, you remember the movie, Dead Man Walking. That's what all mankind is and was, dead men walking until Jesus came. And the whole purpose of him dying was to get at that death thing, to stop that, to stop that in its tracks. And the way he did it, was an innocent man had to die paying the penalty of death so that, listen, this is powerful, an innocent man took the price of death. The wages of sin is death. This is the only way you die. You get paid by sinning. Like you don't get paid at your job until you do the work. Well, some people do. But I mean, I heard one guy say, ask another one, said, when did you start working here? He said, when they threatened to fire me. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't, you, you don't get paid. You don't really get paid death. You don't get really paid, really get paid death until sin has taken place. The wages of sin is death. Well, did Jesus sin? No, no. But he got paid for it anyway because he was reckoned sinful. God reckoned him sinful, blamed him for what we did. And the only way we can know that anybody can get saved is if Jesus took that person's sin away before they were born. It's the only way we can know that a man can be saved today is if that sin was already dealt with and nailed to a cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago. It's the only way we can know that men can be saved today because the wages of sin is death and all were dead. It's universal in nature. Everybody gets this from Adam. I know when that baby's born, we think, oh, 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 he's so perfect in every way. Even his diapers don't smell bad at first. I mean, we just think that baby's perfect in every way. Just, oh, just pure sugar. 
Pure perfection. I have ten of them. I know what I'm talking about. And every, each subsequent one was better than the other. I mean, it just, it just got, not that the children were innately better, but it felt better. I just, the more I got, the better it got. I understand why God wants so many in his family. Bigger is better. Praise God. Amen. The more, the, the, more the merrier. Amen. But every last one of those babies born is a pagan at heart. Born heathen, hard-headed, mule-headed little creeps. Because at 2 o'clock in the morning, they're not asking you if you're sleepy. They're telling you, get out of bed and feed me! <laughs> little monsters. That's how you feel in the middle of the night when they're thinking all about themselves because that's, that's what humans are like. Essentially, we're all like that in our natural selves. Dead, cut off, not like God at all, a pure giver, a pure loving giver. Humans aren't like that. Humans think about it. Well, I'll give you something if I have anything left over, you understand. I'm real generous as long as I got plenty. God is a pure giver. They knew we were trapped in this death that wouldn't allow us to be that way. So because we were all dead, Jesus took on death. He didn't take on you. He wasn't trying to straighten you out. He was trying to deliver you into this glorious peace, this glorious grace, this glorious thing that you were created for in relationship with God. This is good news. Redemption's purpose is life. It's the first thing I want you to know. Redemption's purpose is life, that you have something to live for. Verse 15, this says, And that he died for all, that they which live should not live henceforth unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So redemption is for reigning and serving. It's first for your own life, get you out of that death thing, but it's for reigning and serving. He wants you to reign in life. He wants you to have this purpose. Those who live should not live for themselves. You know, God brought you into this thing to give you a reason to live. Don't retire too early. Now, you know, get off that job if you want to, but find something else to do. You understand? Don't spend the last 30 years of your life doing nothing. Don't spend the last... 40 years of your life doing nothing because they tell us that baby boomers are going to live in huge numbers. Uh, these anthropologists that have studied this believe that baby boomers are going to live in huge numbers 10, 15 years past their parents, way up into the 90s in huge numbers. Where, where our parents all died in their 70s and 80s, baby boomers are going to live to be 90 and 100. Huge numbers. It's already happening. You see it everywhere because medicines are so much better and health conscious things. Food is, you know, we, we're more conscious of that kind of thing. Baby boomers are just going to live a long, long time. Why would you retire at 65 and do nothing for 35 years? Am I preaching too good? Y'all got awful quiet. <laughs> you were looking forward to sitting down, weren't you? Let me tell you something. If you sit down, you'll just die. If you sit down, you'll just die. It's not like sitting down when you're 25. When you sit down at 65, you're going to die. Am I preaching good yet? Okay. 
Get something to do. In the kingdom, God brought you into this to be part of His family, yes, and He saved you, and it was just, just so you could live. But He also saved you to serve, to find something to do. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, man, we've got a church right here with plenty of jobs that aren't, that aren't manned yet. Just, just line up over, by, over here in front of Miss Ann after church, and she'll get you a job, I promise you. There's plenty to do. Amen. Redemption is for reigning and serving. I was riding with a friend of mine in an airplane, my little plane, when I used to have a plane. He, he was a pilot and didn't have a plane. I was a plane, I was a plane owner and didn't have, a, didn't have a pilot's license. So we fit together. We're flying along there one day, and he pointed out there out the, out the front windshield, and he said, look at there, Pastor John, it's raining. I said, it's raining? He said, yeah, but look below that. I looked below that, and it didn't look like it was raining. He said, that's called Virga, V-I-R-G-A, like virgin, but Virga. He said, that's a cloud that rains, but the rain doesn't reach the ground. I said, what good is that? He said, no good at all. <laughs> Just messes up your flight pattern. <laughs> said, if we fly through it, it'll rain on us, but it won't rain on the people that really need it. I said, Roy, are you trying to tell me something about preaching here? He said, yeah, if you want it. I said, my, my, I learned so many things from aviation in, in that realm. God brought you into this so you could be something that would matter to the people below there's a hungry, hurting, dying, hopeless world out there that doesn't just need to know, this doesn't just need to have a people in the community who know they're saved. They need to have a people in the community who know how to bring them in. We should not live unto ourselves, but unto Him reigning and to those who are in desperate need. We have a... Uh, Miss Ann and I, we've, we've kind of lived all over everywhere. We used to live in a place called Kyle, Texas. If you don't know where Kyle is, well, it probably won't hurt you at all. <laughs> it's just south of Austin. Just south of Austin, about 15 miles, 20 miles. There's a prison there, and there's a racetrack there, an auto racetrack. We used to live right out near the racetrack. Friday nights, Saturday nights. You know what our world was like. If we watched television, it had to be up real loud. Because off in the distance you'd hear. And it just went on. And I said, how many laps do they have to take for this race? And then it all died down. The race was over. Or somebody would have a wreck or something. And it just went on and on and on. 30 laps. Ed says. But if you listen real careful, you'd hear off in the distance. You'd hear that. That was I-35. Yeah. <laughs> you know that sound? Trucks and stuff moving up down I-35, which, which this racetrack was just off 35. So we'd hear, <laughs> now, then, now both of them are moving. 
Both of them are making noise. But one of them is going someplace. <laughs> one of them just out there for show. That's all it is. Listen, don't let your life just be a show of what's going on with you. Let your life take you somewhere. Serve somehow. Bring somebody their groceries and food. I, I don't ever complain about truck drivers. I don't ever complain about truck drivers. I'm, I'm, I, I sometimes don't like the way they drive. But I don't ever complain about truck drivers. My daddy was a truck driver. That's how he kept clothes on my back. I don't complain about truck drivers, and you shouldn't either. Because everything in this building came here from a truck. Everything you have on came to you from a truck. Everything you ate this morning or eat, will eat today came to you on a truck, okay? Give them a little space. Can I have a better amen? All right, I just threw that in for free. Any truck drivers in the building? All right, got a few truck drivers. Y'all glad I said it? God bless you guys. Give them a little space. Don't pull right up to that stop sign. Back up a little bit. He's got to have a... Boy, I saw a truck driver... Oh, never mind. I'll, I'll move along. <laughs> Let me give you some dadisms. Here's a few dadisms. If you climb the ladder of success, check occasionally to make sure it's leaning against the right wall. Dad would say, take care to get what you like, or you'll be forced to like what you get. Dad said, the only fool bigger than the person who knows it all is the person who argues with him. Dad said, an obstinate man does not hold opinions, they hold him. When your only fool is a hammer, pardon me, fool. When your only tool is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. It isn't that they can't see the solution, it's that they can't see the problem. People who claim they don't have the time to do things, to do things right, somehow find the time to do them over. I'll give you this one dad moment. I reached up in the cabinet one day. This is how many years ago was this? 30 years ago when my kids were teenagers, 25 or 30 years ago. I reached up in the cabinet and pulled down a dirty dish. Now it had sort of been cleaned. You know what I mean? There was stuff on it. It looked like the cat had cleaned it actually, that's what it looked like. I called all my kids down, all my teenage kids down from upstairs. Come down here. All of you stand right here. You see this dish? It's dirty. I'm going to tell you something. That's never going to happen again. I'm never going to pull another dirty dish down out of that cabinet. My kids didn't have to slop hogs, milk cows, feed cows, bale hay. They didn't have to do any of that. So I made them do housework. It's all in the city. That's all we could do. I couldn't figure out anything else. They mowed the yard, that kind of thing. But so they washed the dishes. That's what they did. It was their job. I said, now this is never going to happen again. Okay, you understand? Because if it happens again, I'm going to pull down every dish out of every cabinet I can find, even those that Mom only uses at Christmas. And you're going to wash them all because apparently you need to practice. <laughs> I mean, it was three days later. I pulled down another dish, dirty. Called them all down there. I, well, at first I just started pulling all the dishes down. I got them all down. I said, wash them all. Dad, you've got to be kidding. I said, no, I'm not kidding. Wash them all. I'm going to beat your pants off. 
and they washed every dish. In the, you know how many times I pulled down a dirty dish after that? Never. Okay. So it seems like, seem like people have, don't never have time to, to do it right, but they have time to do it over. A conclusion is often the place where you just stop thinking. <laughs> and finally, and this one is one that actually matches the point. You can have anything in life if you help enough other people get what they want. Redemption is for reigning and serving. The greatest, most benevolent kings in history are those that serve their people. Those that the world remembers fondly are those that serve their people when they didn't have to. The most anyone can offer in a legacy is the, that of service. I had a whole list of people who contacted me this morning that I'm not blood-related to in, 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 in any way, but spiritually related to a whole list of them. These elders and leadership all know that I have a, a huge group of pastors that, that call me their pastor and father in faith and things like that. I'm not bragging. I'm just excited about it because, and all I've ever done really was just try to serve them and help them have their ministries go forward. If you want something worth having in life, you get it by sowing your own life into others. You receive when you serve. Not only, not, not, not to think about just your future, then it all coming back to you in that way, but think about the joy of just watching somebody open something, a present you gave them. You, I mean, how many of you know what I'm talking about on Christmas? Isn't it really more fun to watch somebody open something you gave them than open something they gave you? Unless it's a shotgun, of course. <laughs> But I mean, you just, don't you just love giving something and watch it? That, I mean, that's, that's in you because, because of the Spirit of God in you. Well, just the pure joy of serving. Find a way to serve because you've been given this new life and you can now serve with the right motives. Verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. So redemption is a spiritual force. The third thing is that redemption is a spiritual force. And it is a force. He said here, we don't know Jesus after the flesh anymore. So we really don't want to know each other after the flesh anymore. If you want to learn how to live in a community of faith, like this one, this church, you want to live in a community of faith with joy, see, first of all, that that person on that row next to you is a spirit being. That we are spirit beings. I know, I know it's hard. To look at some folks and not see how stinking their thinking is. How fleshly they are. How carnally minded they are. But remember, in spite of all that that you may see in the, on the exterior, we are spirit beings. We've been born anew in the spirit. You have an inner man that makes things different in life. Listen, every challenge you have in the natural is subject to that spirit that is in you. Every natural challenge in this life that you have is subject to that spirit that is on the inside of you. You have a right to dominate. And you have a right to look at your brother and see that goodness and that decency on the inside of him when he has said something mean and stupid to you. Now, I'm not saying that you just need to take abuse. If someone is abusing you, I'm not saying you just sit around and take it. You understand? You've heard me say it before, and I said, I said it even Wednesday night. Some people, uh, you don't need to be around. Right. Right. 
yeah, but this, yeah, but that, yeah, but this. listen to me. My nose and my armpit are on the same body, but they don't need close fellowship. Amen. Amen. But if you look at, you look at your brother and you see a spirit person, you see a spirit being there. Say, man, the potential of Almighty God is there. The reason I say that every natural thing in your life is subject to that spirit that's on the inside of you is because every natural thing came out of a spirit called God. God is superior to all that is natural. All that is natural is subject to all that is spiritual. Are you getting this? And you employ the power of the Spirit by what you believe and what you say. You release it. The word, the sword of the Spirit, the Bible call, uh, says in Ephesians chapter 6, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So that attack mode of the Spirit is God's Word. And when God, you have God's Word in your mouth, you become violent. You become offensive. Hallelujah. Saying what God says. You're, put, you're putting the flesh to notice. You're, or on notice. You're, you're putting the natural realm on notice. That a greater force is here. A greater force than the natural force is here, praise God. It's a spiritual force. I drove by yesterday the water tower over here. It says Durant. It's a pretty water tower. I remember when they were ugly things. Looked like giant spiders in the sky, you know, big long skinny legs. And You remember those old metal water towers that just scarred up the landscape? The, 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 they just looked terrible. Well, man, we got a pretty water tower. It looks like a building. Looks sort of like a spaceship. And it says Durant on it. It's pretty. It's a nice looking structure. And it tells everybody where they are. If I was in a little airplane, I might even use it as a landmark. It serves lots of purposes. But none of those are its real purpose. You know what a water tower is for? To supply water. How does it do it? putting the water up in the air, putting it above the other structures so that it'll create a pressure to push the water without it having to be pumped so much. Amen. If you'll just major on the high part of your life, the spirit part of your life, it'll put pressure on what's needing a supply in your life. That's real good. That's better than your shouting right there. It'll supply the natural parts of your life if you'll major on the spiritual part of your life. The high part of your life is what creates pressure on the natural part of your life. Spiritual force. Redemption is a spiritual force. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That means that redemption makes everything new. It's real simple. It's, it's stated just perfectly. Redemption makes everything new. Everything new. If that's true and since that's true and you are a new creature, that means that all those wild oats that you sold in your youth will never come back to you. I promise you. It's why God had to make you all over again. You understand that there's no way out of this seed time and harvest rule. Whatever man sows, that shall he reap. And I've heard Christians all through the years be concerned about that. Well, I sold a lot of wild oats, Pastor John. You talk about seed time and harvest being an inescapable thing. Yeah, it is inescapable. What you sow, you will reap. 
So how does God get around that? How does He get around that inimmutable law? Huh? You cannot, cannot change this law. What you sow, you reap. You sowed wild oats. You're going to reap wild oats. You sowed the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. One of the laws of the harvest is you get a whole lot more back. Right? Ah, what am I going to do? Oh, the harvest of evil is coming. Ah, no, 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 no. God had a plan. He couldn't change that law. So he just changed you. Made you a new, Christ, new, new creation. So now that harvest that, that was yours can't find you anymore because you're dead. And you've arisen a new man, praise God, on the inside. If any man be in Christ or if any one be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things have passed away. What you did in your past life will never catch up with you, praise God. That's what being born again is all about. Become a new creature. Can't you just see the devil? Man, I've got this evil. I've got all this evil. I've got to dump on somebody. The guy's name is Holler. I found his address. I knocked on the door. He wasn't there. There's a fellow answered the door, but it looked like John Holler, smelled like John Holler, talked like John Holler, but it just wasn't him. Wasn't the same guy. Wasn't the same guy that sold these seeds. I'll just have to keep dragging them around. Just let the devil keep dragging your stuff around. You don't have to. You don't have to. Inherit that. You don't have to reap that. That was the old man. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Everybody say, old things have passed away. Come on, say it. And all things have become new. Come on, that's good news today. If you've not heard any good news, you heard it today. Verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is to say that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So what redemption means, it means two things. Redemption means you are reconciled and you are recruited. Now we've already talked a little bit about that recruiting thing, that service thing. That means you are reconciled back to God and recruited for the purpose of gathering men. Getting the message out. Reconciled and recruited. Reconciled means you don't have to keep looking back. Reconciled means you don't have to keep looking back. I want somebody to show me, all of you if you would, show me how big rearview mirrors are. Show me. Now show me how big windshields are. Does that tell you where your focus ought to be? That tells you where your focus ought to be. It's made that way on purpose. This is a windshield. That's a rearview mirror. If you keep looking in the rearview mirror, you'll crash and burn. Now, you need to look back there once in a while just in case James is hot on your trail. But uh, he might be. Don't hurt to glance in there once in a while. Especially you, Greg. You need to look back pretty often, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Your focus of your life can't be in the reverse. And God knew if, he, if we're always looking back, if we're always thinking about how it went wrong, what we should have done, would have done, could have done, if only. All that is stuff designed to keep you from entering your future. 
He made you a new creature so you could live a new life. Amen. I don't know about you, but this is good news for me. You're reconciled and then recruited because there's a world out there in desperate need. Look at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be you reconciled to God. What that means is that redemption is free, but it must be received. Redemption is free, but it must be received. Can any of you hear the radio playing right now? Y'all hear that radio playing? You don't? You don't hear the radio playing? Well, there's radio waves moving through this room right now. There's radio waves moving right through this room right now. Right now, they're everywhere. Why can't you hear it playing? Because you don't have a receiver. Amen. The receiver in the spirit realm is called faith. Amen. You receive by faith. We call that little box a radio, but that's not a radio. That's just a receiver of radio waves. It unscrambles them and makes it where you can understand what's being said over these waves. Messages transmitted over radio waves have to have a receiver. Amen. That which comes from God comes through the Spirit, and you get your receiver up. How you get your receiver? I, I, I saw you all in church earlier. Some of you had your antennas up. Trying to get them adjusted just right. Remember when you had those rabbit's ears on the top of the TV? <laughs> you know, somebody somebody walk in from the kitchen, you say, stand right there. <laughs> Back up. Main event wrestling on. I'm showing my age now. We lived almost too far from Dallas to get real good TV reception. Way too far from Oklahoma City to get it. And had those, had those antenna up, you know, and always trying to get it right. Why? Working on reception. Working on reception. See, the things of God do not happen for you automatically. You have to work on your ability to receive. You just work on your ability to receive, and the primary thing there is just staying in prayer, staying in worship, and believing the promises of God. That's why I keep preaching to you the promises of God. That's why I say so little about your responsibility. Here and there we talk about your responsibility. Mostly, I believe if I can get you to receive the promises of God and stay in the promised land, the kingdom will come. It, the kingdom will develop in your life. Remember, they were in the promised land for hundreds of years before there was ever a kingdom in Israel. They had to get the promised land down first. You get the promises down and the kingdom will manifest in your life. Glory to God. I'm not going to talk to you about establishing the kingdom so you can have the promises. That's backward. That's wagging the dog. We believe in the promises of God. And we go for the promises of God. And we walk in the promises of God. And then the kingdom will manifest in due time, in due season. Amen. Verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. He made, that's hard to take. He made him who had never sinned to be sin for us. He made him responsible for what we had done. Who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All that's telling you is that redemption, redemption really is a great exchange. Redemption is a great exchange. Could I get you to turn to Acts chapter 22 real quick like? Redemption is a great exchange Acts chapter 22, I'm not even certain about the verse. Oh, I wish I, wish I had looked this up, but it just popped in my mind. I'm going to share it with you. Acts 22, verse 18, I think, Miss Whitney. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, look at that. Man, I am good. I, I, I amaze myself sometimes. I, would you back up maybe a couple of verses and let's get a little context to this? About verse 16. The Apostle Paul is in Jerusalem in front of the Jews telling his story of what happened to him. He's giving his testimony there. And he gets to this part in verse 16. Back up there one more time. He gets to this part. And he's saying what Ananias said to him. And now, why are you waiting? Arise, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Meaning just wash away that old man. And then verse 17. And he says, and now it happened that when I returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple that I, I was in a trance. Verse 18. And saw him, Jesus, saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony of me. Jesus appears to Paul after Damascus. He goes back to Jerusalem. And Jesus said, get up and get out of Jerusalem because they're not going to receive your testimony. Notice what Paul says next. So I said, Lord, they, they know that in every synagogue I am imprisoned. How many of you know that was really wrong? And beat, maybe know that was wrong, those who believe on you, verse 20. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death. How many of you know that was wrong? He's going through his lousy litany of licentiousness, telling Jesus what a bad person he was. By consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him, verse 21. Then he said to me, I know you were a low-life sinner. I didn't want to pick you, but my father made me do it. I thought, you're just too far from, from help. But I picked you anyway, you low-life sinner. You good for nothing, Saul, Tarsus, you Pharisee. I don't even like Pharisees. Why would I like you? But I'm going to use you in spite of yourself, you no-account sinner. Low life, scum of the earth, Paul. Is that what Jesus said to him? It's as though Jesus didn't even hear what he said. Now, Lord, I've been a bad boy. I've been a bad, bad boy. I've had your people beaten. I've had them put in prison. I was even, I was even there the other day. They killed one of your people. And I was on their side. And Jesus said to him, Depart, I'll send you far from here to the Gentiles. Lord, didn't you hear what I was saying? Yeah, I heard you, but I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I heard you, but I don't know what you're talking about. I have no memory of you like that, Paul. I have no memory of you like that. Don't be talking to me about what you did wrong. I have no memory of you like That's that. Right. Glory to God. Come on, if God got over it, you might as well. Amen. Come on, tell somebody, if God got over it, you might as well. Tell them. Amen. Amen. If God got over it, you might as well. All that stuff, you go, oh, boy, I was so bad. Oh, who cares? Shut up. Get over it. Look at your life ahead of you instead of the life behind you. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much today that this...
thing called redemption has ramifications beyond our wildest imaginations, really. And I don't propose that I've been able to tell them fully what it means, but I do believe in your Holy Spirit to show them what it means to them. Thank you, Lord, that redemption's purpose is life and that redemption is for reigning and serving. That this redemption you brought for us, bought for us, is a spiritual force and, man, and masters our natural forces. That this redemption makes everything new. Redemption makes us reconciled and recruited, ready for service. Thank you, Lord, that it means that we're free to receive it. Thank you, Father, that redemption is in itself a great exchange between God and man through the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Father, for these people gathered here, for everyone here under the sound of my voice who hears these truths to learn to live in the promised land. I'm asking that you'll bring it to bear on their lives in Jesus' matchless name. Now, with your heads bowed for a moment, I have to say these next few things to you as seriously as I know how. God brought you here because He loves you. I do believe that most of you here are saved and ready to go to heaven. You don't hear us talk very much about hell, but it's a real place. It's a real existence. It's not called life. It's called death. The worst kind of death. And we don't believe that God wants anybody to go there. The Bible doesn't want anybody to go there. You don't have to go there. Jesus died for your sins, and the moment you believe this, you escape that awful, terrible place. But you must make a choice to believe that Christ died for your sins, and that He was buried, and He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. That the Gospel is exactly what it says it is, good news for you. And the moment you'll believe this and receive this, you're made brand new on the inside, and heaven is guaranteed for you, to you, for eternity. How many of you here say, I believe you're talking to me, preacher, and I need to be born again today. I want to be saved today. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. Will you raise a hand and say, that's me? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I want to pray for you, especially those of you who raised your hands. I want you to open your mouth and all the rest of God's people can join in this prayer. We lead each other to Jesus together. I want you to make this confession. This is your confession of faith. Dear God in heaven, let's say it together. I come to you in Jesus' name, bringing what I have, which is nothing of value, just my broken life. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you were buried. And I believe you rose again the third day. Come into my life. Take over. Be my God. And I'll be your person. Forever, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you today for all that you've done for me. And I receive your forgiveness. Father, you are now my Father. And I love you today. In Jesus' name, amen.
And amen. Come on, let's applaud and thank the Lord for these that have come in. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you very much. I want all our dads to stand to your feet if you would. All the dads come. I want our Miss Ann to come. I want our, our elders, our elders couples to come. Come on up here, all of you, please. All of our leadership, please come and stand here and get all of our dads to come and stand here and let's pray for them today. Can we do that? Get all of our leadership over here. No.